Oh, good morning again. Good to see you. You're here. Uh, thanks for taking part in that survey if you did. Uh, if not, that's okay. If you need help with it afterwards, I'd love to help you with it. I'm really excited as we're continuing in our Surrey series called Hope for Dubuque and um, get to just continue to dive in. If you weren't here earlier, my name's Ross. I serve as senior pastor and just very excited to be walking through God's Word with you this morning. Um, I think we sometimes forget, uh, or at least I do, the week before leading up to you sitting here. Um, I know for me personally, it was a week of, I, I was down and out one day this week, just sick. Uh, and it was something that, that medication over 25, 24 hour period, I'm good. Uh, it wasn't COVID or anything like that, uh, but I was just feeling unwell. And, um, as far as like for many of you, I, I don't know what you faced this last week to sit here today. So, so what I wanted to do is just open in a prayer for, um, strength, um, courage, boldness, for each of us as whatever we're facing in this moment, we get to just pause, maybe breathe a little bit, but also hear from God and his word um, and how powerful his word is for our life, the way we live by it and obey it. Uh, but we need courage and his, his courage, the courage he can give us, the boldness from him to do it. So let me just open in prayer for that. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for our church. God, I thank you for every person here and online that is choosing to spend time with you. God, I pray for uh, many of us, including me, that might have battled sickness this last week or just ha had a day that was just tough. Um, maybe it was the cold. Maybe it was uh, something else going on in our families, God, uh, in our work. God, I just pray that you would help us, that you would give us courage and peace, that you would bring us healing, that, God, you would um, help us with great boldness obey you even amidst really hard weeks, really hard days. Uh, God, we love you, and we come here to worship you and to focus on you. So I do pray for our time in your word, that you would help us hear from you, and that your Holy Spirit would guide us and strengthen us by your word. Um, for it's from you, God. We love you and trust you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for letting me do that. Uh, so, so this morning, we're going to continue in our series called Hope for Dubuque, and, and we're looking at our mission as a church, uh, Connect, Grow, Serve, and, and, and helping people connect with God. And for many years, we've been a church on mission to help people connect with God. And in that uh, beautiful display of doing that for many years then and, and years now, we get to dive in in the series what it practically looks like on each level to connect, grow, and serve uh, in Him. And really throughout this series, what we've recognized is that this is our hope for Dubuque and the tri-state areas. Like that, that every person would experience Jesus and His grace and connect with God through uh, salvation, through um, accepting Jesus as their Lord, believing in him, confessing in him as Lord, uh, and then growing with others in Christ. And then today we get to focus on serving on mission for Jesus. And in this unique mission, it's, it's biblically based. We get to walk through that. You've probably seen if you've been here last few weeks. If this is your first week, we get to catch up together a little bit. But last week we uh, focused on that grow piece, how we are called and equipped to grow with others in Christ, and how this grow piece wasn't uh, merely something we're just told to do always, but naturally is birthed out of our relationship with Jesus. So we saw in the early church this moment last week where uh, they many had come and accepted Jesus on P from Peter's sermon, and and through that they they believed, confessed, were baptized, and then they just naturally it was a natural instinct to grow together to grow in Christ. And yet, furthermore, we see throughout scripture this reminder to not neglect growing together. 
uh, that this life of following Jesus was not meant. God created it to do with others, to do in pursuit of him in unity as a body of Christ, as a body of believers. And so how important that is to focus on. So that was last week, the week before is connect with God in Christ, how we're able to, because of Jesus, confess and believe and actually know God, actually be in relationship with the one true God in our life and be changed, not only for the years to come, eternity to be, but every single day. Uh, but this, this week we get to focus on serving and we're actually going to take two weeks to focus on serving because today we get to walk through some scripture together. But next week we actually get to uh, practically look at what it looks like to dive in at serving here at Hope Church through the mediums, through the ways that we mentioned today um, in brief. So we, we get to kind of spend a few weeks on serving, but in serving, essentially it's serve on mission for Jesus. We want to be a church marked by serving on mission for Jesus Christ and so as we proceed, you'll see, you'll kind of notice it. We'll walk through a passage a bit and contextualize it. And then we'll walk out what it practically looks like of our mission being rooted in that passage, rooted in the scriptures, uh, maybe rooted in other passages too, but we're going to look at an example in this one. Before we get there though, you think of a really uh, good book that you might read. Uh, at the beginning of that book, it's kind of like that preface, that, that preemptive, like maybe the reasons why this book was written, maybe the thankfulness, maybe just a setup for that book. Today, we get to uh, look at two passages. One's going to be our main passage. This one we're going to look at today is a really big main passage we'll look at too. But we need this precursor passage in order to get into where we're going later in a different passage. So we're going to go to Matthew 28, 18. It's going to be kind of like this, this pre pre-step this 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 opening because what it delivers to us is really rather important to how our position is to serve on mission to what that position looks like so matthew 28 18 if you want to open with me there it'll be on the screen too it says this then jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the, in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so at this point in scripture, Jesus had already been put on a cross, died, been buried, resurrected. And this is before he then ascends into heaven, which we find uh, a little later. This is then he's meeting with his disciples. He organizes his plan, says, come and meet with me. And he says these last commissioning words. But they're rather weighty and powerful words when we think, pause, and look at them when we hear God through them, because it's not only for the disciples then, but positionally for the church, for us today, this is a piece of commissioning from God and the way in which we live our life and the way in which we pursue our mission as people of God for his glory. And so Jesus comes to them very practically like he would at many, many times before, but then says this statement, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And how powerful that display is. Jesus here, magnificently through scripture all the way up to this point, has already been known to be the Lord, the one and only God in the flesh, right? The savior of the world. But yet the father delivers him this power and authority in which to act on, in which to uh, follow through with. He is the God in which he has the power and authority already. So this statement isn't this like new uh, statement like, hey, just so you know, I'm just now getting this like for the first time, he is still fully God. And he's coming and saying, all of it's been given to me. So therefore there must be action out of what I'm about to tell you as your Lord, as your God, as your deliverable commander is this. If you follow me to do this, go and make disciples of all nations. So to go, 
making disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this great commissioning, which is well known by, but also this uh, specific pointed command for every believer, even those disciples then and to us now, radically has shaped the way God has chosen to build his church, his body of believers. Because if we practically think on it, on this great commission, on this command in which Jesus says go, produced us me and you, that as they were obedient in the command to go and make disciples, followers of Jesus that were like them, that were obedient, that were, that were following the commands and, uh, and the ways of Jesus, that were actually true to what he said, it birthed a church in Acts 2, which we looked at last week, that then produced and continued in people like you, where you had heard the good news of Jesus and, and like each of us need to choose on our own to follow him or not. It's not a family inheritance by which we own our faith, but yet by a specific belief and confession on our own to receive faith in Jesus. And so this beautiful ripple effect begins from this commissioning of Jesus to say and go and continues with us now. For those in the faith, if you follow Jesus, your command is the same. Go and make more followers of him. Go and baptize them and teach them in every way. So naturally, making disciples is pared down to what seems so simple but is so challenging and complex, especially in our world today, of actually being present with others and teaching them the way. We show the word and share it. We show them Jesus and we share Jesus with them. We show them the scriptures. We we show them the way. We teach them in which it means to be obedient to Christ through his word what it means to see his command and obey it in our life. And the beautiful part about us uh, and me is that we're broken people. We make mistakes, but yet Jesus still has a plan and a mission to use you, even in your brokenness, to make straight the path of others, to, to help them see the very obedient commands you're attempting to follow. Maybe at times saying, I struggle with this, but I, I know God's calling us, so can we do it together? Or maybe in your season of life, that is an area you have a friend who, who you have you have you have followed the command, and yet they're struggling. You get to come alongside and give hope and and, and share uh, joy and say this is worth the good fight that you're taking on this obedient command, like I have, and not out of boasting. We shouldn't be a boastful um, in that way, but out of just purely serving and teaching and loving those around us as we're called to as Christians. And so we show, we teach, we share the word of God to ultimately serve the world, to reach all nations for Jesus. And that is our uh, focus when we say serve on mission. Our aim in serving on mission is to reach many for Jesus. That is the heart behind that, rooted in Matthew 28. Reach many for Jesus' sake, to make his family large, to pack heaven out but to also prioritize the life in which we must and are called to live today now. And so we, we serve by sharing and teaching and going and doing all the nations. And what is it at the end we see in Matthew 28, 20? Uh, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And how brilliant, uh, how wonderful you think of it, those words, when Jesus is fulfilling his promise by He's already told his disciples, I must go because the helper is going to come. And that's the Holy Spirit. 
I must go so the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, he has fulfilled his, his great piece of this salvation plan, and he is ascending into heaven after this statement. I must go. So then he sends the Holy Spirit. And it's so unique. Jesus at the time is saying, I will be with you always to the end of the age, tangibly in you, dwelling within you, being among you by my very presence, by the Spirit. How powerful an invitation to take part in and, and command and going but also a, a uniqueness. We get to take part in relationship with God by him dwelling and being with us during. And you think that's where we garner our strength. That's where we take on our courage. That's where we receive our boldness is in him, through him, by him. So when we open our service and praying prayers and asking for courage and boldness, he would be so good to deliver it by his spirit, by being with us, by being in us. And so this is the root in which we mean serving on mission, reaching many for Jesus. But what might that service look like? Uh, and like I said, next week we go into very practical ways. And so today will be more scripturally approached where Peter is speaking to a people and encouraging them to live in light of what is to come, but not grow idle and, and really, really reach in and serve God with all that you have through love and acts of service. We're going to find it in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Uh, we're going to read this as our main passage. I'm going to read this. I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. We've got about 15-ish minutes to jump in and go. And so I'd encourage you to take out a notepad or something, write something down if you need to, to catch up on later. I'm not going to try to speak so fast, but really get through a, a lot of this passage together as we can and then close. So let me go ahead and, and read this passage and we'll pray. So 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober of mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let me open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning again and ask that you would help us, that your Holy Spirit be guiding us. And then as we're just in this reminder uh, of Matthew 28, for those of us in you, Christ, you have given us your Holy Spirit to guide and lead and prepare and, and advance uh, what your will to be done in us, to help us um, be more like you, Christ. So God, I just pray that you would help us through this passage understand um, your voice through Peter, that you would un understand your direction, your command, um, uh, and what we may do to obey it. God, we love you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1977, a really popular, famous, I would say, uh, pizza restaurant was born. And it was unified under something very, very unique, a rat. And you see, this pizza restaurant wanted to change the game up a bit. They wanted to be a pizza restaurant that provided entertainment, and entertainment so much so like arcade games and, and even shows that were produced and created and led by a rat. And this establishment was called Chuck E. Cheese, if you remember it. I don't know if there's many Chuck E. Cheeses around here, but in central Indiana where I grew up, I, there's on every block it felt like as a little kid. And I loved going to Chuck E. Cheese, but found it so unique that a rat would be serving me. 
you know? It wasn't until later they positionally went from calling Chuck E. Cheese the rat to a mouse, which I guess that makes it a little easier for us to swallow, you know? Uh, but, but regardless, it was a clean establishment. I'm not speaking to anything like that uh, from what I remember as a kid. Um, but I loved it because it had this brilliant display of an arcade, which I loved games. Pizza, which was like the best thing ever. I mean, like I begged my parents, I could only eat pizza for my whole life. I sometimes even try to convince my wife. Like it has all the major food groups, right? Like grains, vegetables, uh, meats, you know, all these things. Like we can survive on pizza. Even as a kid, I, I remember begging my parents for that. But, but I love this place because like it would not only be these animatronics doing these uh, entertainment shows while you ate, but it would be like the actual, you know, physical mascot rat Chuck E. Cheese coming over. I remember vividly as a kid, he like was feeding me pizza for my birthday. And I'm like, this is so cool as a kid. And I look back and you're like, that's kind of weird as an adult, you know, but, but it's like a cool weird to me still. I would love to still go. Let's plan a trip as a church together. Uh, next week, we're meeting at Chuck E. Cheese. That would be hilarious. No, we're not going to do that. But anyways, I, I really enjoyed it. And so in this, uh, during an arcade game, I remember specifically, I love the one where you shoot basket, shoot basketballs. And I, it was called a million different things. But the goal is to, to shoot and, and get as many basketballs into the goal into the, as many times as you can. And I remember, it was vividly, you know, you reach in your pocket, put in a coin, and you begin to shoot. And there's that timer, and you're trying to beat the high score within the timer. Well, I would be so precise like the next Reggie Miller. I would be stepping back and just making the threes, just trying to really, and I would just drain them. I'm so good, right? No, I would not really. But I remember as time was close to expire, as the end was near to my time, my, my strategy shifted. I no longer wanted to be like Reggie, drilling every shot, but I then would draw close before the bars would stop the balls, before the, before the timer's out, and I would just begin hoving them up. Like at this point, the end is near. Let's just go, let's just go. See what falls, who cares? I'm throwing two or three, four at a time. I'm just like going as fast as I can to just try to get things up in the air and see what hits. Because the end was near. My strategy shifted. See, we meet a similar reality with Peter here in this passage. In our passage today, before and after, Peter t talks of the Christian suffering, how they were suffering due to their following and faithfulness to Jesus. And yet before this passage we read today, there's this moment in which Peter is laying out how we should live for God and choose not to live for human desires, but godly desires for God's will in 1 Peter 4.2. But then Peter shifts this stage and uses a similar word, the same word as Jesus, in a similar way though, therefore, after a very powerful statement opening this passage we're reading, the end of all things is near, therefore, action must take place. But what's so unique about their strategy then in this time would be often, uh, at this point, Peter is, 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 is teaching and saying this in a very, very important way because he's not saying um, that anyone would be surprised. So far in this point, Jesus has, has come, he's died, he's uh, resurrected, he's ascended into heaven. And so we're in this in-between to where Jesus has fully come and yet he is going to return. And so the end of those times is near, it's coming. Peter was smart enough uh, not to go to, against the words of Jesus that he knew. He doesn't know the time and the hour. He's not saying, hey, in a few weeks, in a few hours, be, be, be ready in that time frame. And for, for Jesus even said, no one knows the day or the hour. But yet positionally putting them in a place to be ready. The end of all things is near. So then be alert and sober mind that you may pray. 
essentially Peter's saying and commanding, you need to be clear of mind, which was actually contrary at times in their suffering in the day and can often maybe be contrary to our approach as well. See, instead of being at the arcade game and seeing the timer click and you go more effectively faster and you want to produce more as much as you can before the time runs out, they're rather withdrawing and saying, well, the end is near, let us just wait it out. We don't need to do much anymore. Like, like God will just figure it out. I know we're like supposed to do some stuff, but they were letting go of responsibilities, just kind of putting hands behind the back and saying, it's going to just work out. Peter said, no means. The end is near, so therefore be even more clear-headed, sober of mind, so that you may be effective in prayer, seeking after him at every step, every move. That regardless if the end is here today or tomorrow, that we are still producing effective, faithful fruit for the glory of God, positionally, purposefully, and for his people. And after this way of introduction in verse 7, and this timing reminder and this alertness leads us to understand the seriousness by which we must take this life and own each and every day to bring glory to God. The, the effectiveness of being uh, clear in mind, direct in thought, and, and, and prayerful pursuit. That regardless of what our world looks like around us, what our days might entail, suffering or not, good or bad, we're still called to be obedient, faithful, ever so present, pushing forward, children, pushing forward, standing firm, prayerfully, prayerfully committed. Let our pursuit as Christians even today not fall to procrastination, we could say. Instead of maybe one day I will serve Jesus with my life, what if we positionally said, because I have today, I choose to serve Jesus with my life. Not looking to the average lifespan and saying, you know, in my early years, I just want to fill it all up with the things that I really love. And that's not what Jesus says. But instead saying, because of today in my young years, in my older years, I want to fill them up with what he says and the way in which he calls me to live. See, this expectancy shift was rather important for the people there today and even us today. This perspective of, because I have today, I will serve him with all I've got. So what practically would Peter then deliver to them outside of such a powerful opening reminder? The end is near, so therefore, be alert and sober mind, be effective in prayer. He then says this, point number one, if you're following along in our notes, is this love deeply. Peter then leads into love, and he says in verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, loving others is essential in our Christian walk and life. Loving others is this moment when we actually look to the person next to us, around us, our neighbor, our family members, or whoever it might be, and care for what they care for, concern what they need, and actually try to meet their needs the best in the way we can. Actually, in, in the unique part, loving doesn't mean we agree with all their decisions or affirm their specific positions, but yet we come alongside them in lovingly serving even in disagreement in the ways that we actually can. And so to love others well would be positionally seen as hospitality in Peter's time because at this point, 
uh, even in people traveling or, or at this point, maybe uh, having a home wasn't as popular. Many people would be without homes or without basic needs. And so he's saying, even your love so deep for the others around you must be displayed in hospitality, which he's speaking of it different than what we might think of, you know, making sure the table's set right for our guests that we plan to be over or so on. But even in the unexpected times, which could produce grumbling, you would grow to be hospitable and loving to those who present a need that you run into at the grocery store, that you run into that need a place to stay, that you run into a fallen on a hard moment in life that you could encourage and lift up and care for and love deeply in a moment. See, this radical shift of loving deeply and hospitable, hospitable act uh, in a frame of mind, which is just to wait and sit back for the Lord to return, you could see how clearly that love could be dis- disconnected. Oh, I see a need, but I'm just going to wait it out until Jesus gets, gets here. It'll be good. Oh, I see, oh, no, it's all good. I'm just going to grow idle and grow not committed. And so in this time, loving deeply is it, it, such a severe challenge even for us today. Wayne Grudem, a theologian, um, <clears throat> writes this, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many of small offenses and even some large ones are readily overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion, every action is liable to misunderstanding, and conflicts abound to Satan's perverse delight. And isn't that so true? When we lead with love and seeing that there's an image bearer next to you on the other side of that comment, on the other side of that phone call, on the other cubicle than you, and you lead with love, maybe the small or even large offenses can be let go. Because where love is present, forgiveness is offered and forgiveness is accepted. Where where love is present, it covers a multitude of sins against you or maybe the ones that you've made against others. And and we see this maybe vibrantly in our close relationships, right? And you like practically thinking of of my spouse at home, my wife, Noelle, or even my kids or, or my close friendships. Maybe you think of a person in this room next to you or before and behind you where you showed a great display of love and it just somehow covered the multitude of, of some sin differences that happened in you or, or between the two of you. Some, some sinful um, things were said, maybe, uh, you know, some whatever it might be. It just covers that. I see when I embrace my wife with uh, love first, I begin to forget and even forgive the things in which uh, she's done against me or vice versa, where, where I need more of the forgiveness most often. When she leads with love, she offers it. See, this deep love is transforming, and we shouldn't be surprised that Peter delivers the same message of Jesus when he states the two greatest commands. And what were they based on? What were they rooted in? What was every command rooted in in which God had provided before and Jesus summarized after? Love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this great way of love, which Jesus came to portray perfectly for us, intentionally for us, again, a love that is, that is so unconditional, that, that invites us, but yet invites us into a relationship that commands and authoritatively leads us that we must change because of it as a great love in which we must carry too. And this is the type of love Peter is encouraging 
commanding, convicting those of thin in us today. A love that is ever so life-changing, that is showing great hospitality, that, that is actually truly seeking after, loving and caring without grumbling or complaint, which oftentimes we might stumble into. So not only is Peter showing this deep love, uh, sharing this deep love and command to response, as the end is near, love deeply. Uh, the second is this, to serve faithfully. So point number two, if you're following along, to serve faithfully. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so out of that deep love comes great hospitality, but then flows out of that great service. So then each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of the very God who gave you the gift. How practically, how practically challenging that is, if you think of it. Because oftentimes through our life, which is busy and full in our calendars, which are crazy, we can grow ever so forgetful that serving the person next to you behind you is ever so important to show your love. So, so now we may question and ask that your lack of service could show a lack of love or your, your increasing service show an increasing love for those around you. So Peter, in not only showing us deep love, this faithful stewardship of our service, of our time. If anyone speaks, he says, do so with the very words of God, being one being used as a vessel, a tool of the very God in which you serve to serve others. If anyone serves, do so with the strength God provides, that God designs to strengthen us in our service for one another, for him. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus, through his working in our life, that by him, he's brought more praise. And this last, that last statement, um, to him be the glory and power forever, so that in all things God may be praised, can kind of get us stumbled a little bit in our, in our times today. Because oftentimes when we serve, we feel this innate need that I must be given some glory for this. I, I need it. I want it. I must have it. But yet, in our position of serving God and serving others by the gifts he's given us, he's actually not positionally asking us to receive any glory. He's saying, actually, in your service, in your works, in your pursuit of me, I want to use you, fill you up so that I'm glorified. And that, that, that truth, that reality would bring you the most pleasure, would bring you the most joy, would bring you the most out of everything. That you don't need an accolade or as some would often tell me like a, like an extra jewel in your crown in heaven. And, and, and I, I laugh, and if you said that, it's, I know it was in good gesture, but if I think of it practically, I actually don't plan to have that, don't want that in heaven. I, I just want to be positionally with God in heaven. Uh, I don't want any extra accolades. I just want to be a faithful follower like, men, like you. But are you in a position where you've stumbled and been tripped up to say, I, I, I would rather not serve because I recognize it doesn't give me praise, but maybe you're positionally serving in the wrong effort. You're serving in the wrong way. 
you're actually serving the wrong God because you're making yourself that person to bring glory to. But yet positionally, as God provides, as he gives, as he gifts his church, his people, me and you, that God would give us a gift to serve him with, that he would get all the glory and that would give us, fill all our desires. That would give us the greatest pleasure. Does your act of service do that for you? Or are you preventing yourself from serving because of maybe the output of not gaining glory yourself? Now, it doesn't go on to say that, like, like, I think that as a church, we should build each other up very practically. I think we should look at each other and call out the gifts in which we see and encourage and say, wow, I'm so thankful for the way you're being faithful to God. But by any means, that's deep encouragement to spur one another along towards love and good works, as scripture says. But may we not grow to be, man, you are so great. You are so good. You are so amazing. Yeah, you could be at a task, but then it must follow for God's glory and his goodness, for his purpose in you and our church. You are so great at giving him glory. And that should be the fullness of our statements. So when we look at the direction of our church and service, it's that very heart to love deeply and serve effectively. A God who deserves all the glory, who already has all the power and to reach many for him, to reach many for Jesus, to, to, to build a church in which wants people to come to him, to seek him first, to see him first. Before we close, um, I want to just share kind of three different areas as a church we focus in on. And like I said, next week we get a branch into these a little more specifically, but in closing today, uh, three different areas in which we take part in serving. One is this serving in the church, that God's command to serve doesn't only go outside these walls, but is actually inside these walls too. The church, the body of Christ. And not that it's this building, but like where we're at right now, these people. And, and serving the church, our local body, it shows up in the way we use our gifts to serve each other in Christ. Uh, serving our community outside uh, this specific, these specific walls, outside this building, outside our, our body, serving the community around us, the Dubuque and the tri-state area. And we want to be a church positionally, uh, specifically looking for opportunity to serve our community, both corporately, but also effectively training you to specifically serve in your sphere of influence and the way in which God has you working or living in areas of the city, of the tri-states. And so serving our community, you can, you can look at our priority to say, okay, and serving the church, it's our ministries like children's and kids and, and different uh, other pathways of discipleship we have here at Hope Church, serving with your gifts and abilities there, but also serving in our community. Uh, we think of like Night to Shine. I recently put on this event partnering with other churches in a way to serve our community powerfully. We saw a need and we said, God, we believe you're asking us to meet it. He confirmed that and so we went for it. And he showed up in some crazy, awesome ways just by the way we could practically serve our community. We want to grow in this. This next year, jump into this. What does it look like to serve our community for Jesus? And finally, serving the world. Uh, we recently saw a team come back from Panama. You've heard much about it if you've been around our partnership with the church in Panama. 
And essentially what this partnership looks like is we uh, pray and encourage them. They do the same for us. We've, we're excited for one day them, uh, you know, visiting us. And, um, but many times now we've been visiting them to love and encourage their church. But going beyond our borders, we want to effectively serve the world to seek after what God's heart is for our church to actually reach others for Jesus outside of our culture and community to effectively share it with all nations going further than just here or near at home. So when we walk in the way of serving, as I, as I just close and I'll pray in a, in a moment, as we walk in the way of serving, we grow in further maturity in Christ. And we grow together, certainly, but we're imitating Jesus. If we remember a, a few sermons ago, Pastor Marty, we were going through um, just our Christmas series and we looked at uh, just these, these powerful truths of Jesus. And here in Matthew 20, 28, it says this, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that we have a powerful, mighty God who always is and always will be God, always will have all the power and authority, always will be in charge. But yet, you know what he did in Jesus, that God came dwelling in the flesh, dwelt among us, to serve, to lovingly give his life for me and you. And yet as image bearers, we're invited into the same way of service. And no, we're not the ones to be exactly like Jesus and dying on a cross for the Savior and the sins of the world to be the Savior of the world. That's not our position. But yet we are humbly submitting and following Christ, asking him to make us the very servants he was to help us God serve like you came to do for Jesus. You are our great savior. The one in which came to humbly serve to be a ransom for many. So I may know you let's close in prayer. Father, I, I ask that you would help us grow to be servants on mission for you, that we could reach many for your name here, Jesus and beyond that we positionally as a church, God want to, be on mission for your name's sake and for you to receive all the glory. So God, I pray just for those sensitive moments maybe we, we personally had uh, to where we, we, we don't like serving because we're not getting the glory, how we can reposition and look to you to fill our very desires, to give us the greatest pleasure of bringing you glory, God. Would you grow that heart in us? God, as, as followers of Jesus here today, I, I pray that you would help us uh, look for tangible ways to use our gifts and other abilities you've blessed us with, God, to, as scripture says, be good stewards of what you've given us. God, may we not grow idle and sit back and just hope and wait for you to come, but we may be active, faithful, obedient, and serving, and loving, and caring, and reaching for you, God. You have so much you want to do through us. So may we submit our lives to you so that you may use us to do it. May we be working available vessels for you, God. We love you and trust you and thank you for our morning together. God, I pray that you, would, your Holy Spirit would deeply encourage and convict and lead us into what step we need to take next. In Jesus' name, amen.